Psalm 23 this morning. I want to ask the question simply stated, who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd this morning? And uh, the reality is everyone in this room has a shepherd. Let's look what the psalmist wrote, David. He writes here in Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is kind of a theme that I was looking at uh, as I was preparing to go to Tanzania, Africa. I was looking at this psalm in earnest and doing a study for our Bible uh, class, the harvesters class, and we were talking about the fact that God is independent. In fact, last week, uh, Larry shared a quote from pastor and teacher Tony Evans, who has said this, he said, God has a voluntary relationship to everything, but he has a necessary relationship to nothing. Think about that for a second. God has a voluntary relationship to everything, but he has a necessary relationship to nothing. In other words, what Tony Evans was saying is that God relates to his creation, you and I, because he chooses to, not because he needs to. He is God and we are not, as I mentioned just a few moments ago. You and I are dependent, though, on the Lord for everything. When we think about our dependence on the Lord, uh, we depend on Him for the very breath of life. If you're sitting here this morning and you're sitting upright or slouched or whatever way you're sitting this morning, you are dependent upon God for the very breath that you're breathing. Uh, when you woke up this morning, you were dependent upon God to have that ability to wake up. We depend on God to sustain our lives. We depend on God uh, to forgive us of our sins. We depend on God to give us the very gift of eternal life. In fact, yes, we depend on God for everything. We were talking about in our class that uh, a lot of times we try to change ourselves from the outside in, but God's ways are different. He changes us from the inside out. It's not about what we have, it's about who we have. And his name is Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, notice what the scripture says in Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says in verse number 16, For by him, and, he spe and, the, and this passage is speaking of Jesus, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And then notice what verse number 17 says. And it says, and he is before all things. Let's just stop and think about that for a second. And he is before all things. And not only is he before all things, notice the last part there. It says, and by him all things consist. Jesus is the one that not only spoke this world into existence, he's not only the one that breathed into man's nostrils the very breath of life. He created the world, but he sustains the world. He's the one that's holding it together. When you think about, I uh, remember the study we had on creation versus evolution. He's the one that's holding the stars in their sockets. 
He's the one who is allowing us uh, this, this gift that we have uh, to be able to breathe. He's the one that gives us that. He's the one that sustains our lives. I think about what David wrote in Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, verse number 1, David wrote these words. He said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. In Psalm 106, the Bible asks these following questions, twofold questions in one verse. It says, Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all His praise? Oh, my friends, everything that has been made was made by Jesus. And every bit of His creation is meant to proclaim His majesty. The question is, are we proclaiming His majesty on a daily basis? Who is your shepherd? Who is my shepherd? Who is leading our lives? In Scripture, I just read Psalm 23, and it's interesting to note that uh, David... Uh, and there are other passages of Scripture where God's Word equates us to animals. But, you know, I think about it, and I used some different animals when we were in Africa, and I talked about this. But when we think about it, God could have said, Hey, my people are strong like lions or bears. But He didn't. He could have said, Hey, my people are fearless and brave. Uh, but He didn't. He could have said, My people are, are, are shrewd and wise like foxes. But he didn't. And you know, he also could have said that we were peaceful and meek like doves. He says to be uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but in Scripture we are equated to the dumb and the defenseless. Isn't that funny? Think about it. In Scripture, God, God likens you and me to the dumb and the defenseless. My wife says, yes, I know. I see you every day, the dumb and the defenseless. Listen, it's important to understand these things when we look at Scripture because sheep are not that smart. They're dumb. Their IQ is very, very low. Sheep left to themselves like to wander and go astray. I think about the song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In fact, uh, in, in the hymn book in front of you on page 173, there's that hymn, Come Thou Fount. Well, verse number 3, we all like to think about verse number 3 because it says, uh, prone to wander, uh, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But what's interesting is in verse number 2 of that song, the lyrics say this. It says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed, or interjected is what it means, interposed his precious blood. Listen, just like this old song that we sing from time to time, it's apparent that just like sheep, you and I are unable to provide for ourselves, we're unable to care for ourselves many times, and we're unable to protect ourselves many times. That's why we need a shepherd. I was reading... Elmer Towns, Dr. Elmer Towns in his book, Praying the 23rd Psalm, he said these words. He said that when we say the Lord is my shepherd, he says what we are admitting is that we are sheep, or at least that we act like sheep and that we have needs of a sheep. And so I started asking myself the other day, if I say the Lord is my shepherd, and Dr. Elmer Towns says that the reason when I say that, what he's saying is I am agreeing with God and I say, Lord, I am dumb and defenseless. I need a shepherd and you are my shepherd. What are the needs that I really have? 
What are the needs that we have? I think first and foremost for anybody in this room or outside of this room alike, the greatest need that we have is that of belonging. We all want to belong to something. I remember when I was in grade school, they had clubs. You know, they had the library club. They had the math club that I stayed away from. Stay away from the math club. I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry. My wife loves math. My son loves math. I stayed away from the math and the science club. I was in the band club. I loved the band club. I loved the wrestling club. I loved baseball club. But the rest of those clubs, you know what I stayed away from until I was a senior in high school? Was the typing club. They actually had a club in my high school, like a typing group. Uh, have fun with that, you know. I don't even know, do they even teach typing anymore? It's just straight on the computers, right? Computer programming is what they call it now. Listen, we need to belong. We have a sense that each of us need to belong. And without a shepherd, we have no one to lead us. We have no one to care for us. We have no one to protect us. That's why that passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 is so amazingly wonderful. It reminds us that the great shepherd of our soul not only owns everything, not only did he create everything, but he is the one that continues to hold everything together. That ought to excite you. Because if that's true, and I can assure you from God's word that it is true, what could we ever face, you and I, physically, spiritually, or otherwise, what could we ever face that we would have to be afraid. Remember what verse 4 says in Psalm 23? Look down at it. David said, I will fear no evil. Why? He says, because you're with me. He said, because I have a shepherd that's with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, David said. And so he had this idea that because the Lord was a shepherd, he could face anything. He did not say, I will not be afraid or I will not face anxiety. Anybody ever have anxiety? Anybody? I know we, we don't worry. Uh, let me put it this way. Does anybody have concerns? I have a concern. Uh, Jennifer had a concern that JP get a job. She put on this thing. Hey, what's his plans? Get a job. Okay, so we have those concerns, rightfully so, you know. But at the end of the day, what could we really ever fear if, now I put the caveat there, if the Lord is truly our shepherd. But if the Lord is not your shepherd, then what's your plan? If the Lord is not my shepherd, what's my plan? What's our plan for protection? What's our plan for, for provision? Who becomes our shepherd, so to speak? And the reality is, and it's just like I was saying before, everyone in this room has a shepherd. Did you know that? And it might, and it might not be this character, uh, character on the screen. It might not be the Lord. But everyone in this room has a shepherd. You see, because we all follow shepherds, some of us follow the shepherd of our own thoughts and our own ways. I can tell you, I've tried to follow that shepherd before, and that shepherd always leads to trouble. Some of us follow the shepherd of selfishness. We want what we want, and we want it right now. And so we follow the shepherd of selfishness. I'm the same. You say, have you been selfish this week? Yes, I have. 
You want to know how I was selfish? I was getting something to eat, and I decided that I wanted a milkshake too. And so you know what I did? I didn't think I really needed the milkshake, but I saw Effie's, and Effie's was like calling out to me, come, come over here. And so I went over there, and I selfishly got a milkshake. But you know what? I unselfishly shared it with my wife. Amen? Brownie points. Listen, we all have a shepherd that we follow. Sometimes it's the shepherd of our own thoughts, our own ways. Sometimes it's the shepherd of selfishness. Sometimes we follow the shepherd, and I've been there, done that, and could write a book on it. Sometimes we follow the shepherd of success. Anybody? I'm the only one that ever followed the shepherd of success. I didn't know that, but I just found that out because it got very quiet when I said that. Some of us follow the shepherd not only of our own success, but some of us follow the shepherd of our own wealth. Hey, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I think it was Andrew Carnegie. They asked him years ago, how much is, how much is enough? And he said, one more dollar. One more dollar. I got news for you. It'll never be enough. Because once you get one or two or three or four more dollars and you spend that, you need two or three or four more dollars more. We follow the shepherd of our own success, the shepherd of our own wealth. Some of us follow the shepherd of our own family position. I am in charge of this family. I'm going to sit here upon my throne. Please bring me the remote control. And woman, what time is dinner? Oh, but... I'm sorry, Brother Spain. <laughs> we do we just do it's crazy and then what's you know what the greatest problem is we don't like to admit the shepherds that we follow we we like to come to church and say that we follow the lord the lord is my shepherd i know some people in fact i know some military folks that like to pray the 23rd psalm and i had one person i'll not say who the person was i I had one person one time tell me, oh, I love to pray the 23rd Psalm. It really comforts me. And I said, really? Because I knew the person didn't know the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. I said, how does, it comfort, how does it comfort you? Oh, the words are just so soothing. Can I tell you, if you don't know the Lord, the 23rd Psalm should be the scariest thing you ever read. Because without this shepherd you got a problem. Without this shepherd, I've got a problem. Because see, the first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a very personal prayer that David was saying, that he was writing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Bible tells us of a different kind of shepherd. You know, we follow all the types of shepherds that we can muster in our mind, but the Bible tells us of a different kind of shepherd. Turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, the Bible shares with us a different kind of shepherd. Notice what verse number 7 and following of John chapter 10 have to say. In verse number 7, the Bible says this, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Now stop for just a second. Notice that phrase, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Let me remind you what Colossians 1 says. 17 says and he is before all things 
If you're putting something before Jesus, if something is your shepherd before the Lord, then there's a problem. Because John 10, in verse number 8, says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But notice what it goes on to say. It says, But the sheep did not hear them. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And then he says these famous words. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Not only does Jesus declare that he was the door or the gateway for all sheep, he says that he was the good or the true shepherd. Why? Because he willingly laid down his life for the sheep. Yes, because of our sinfulness, because of my sinfulness, because of man's sinfulness, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, willingly became as one of us and laid down his life. Philippians chapter 2, you can read that, how he fashioned himself as a man, came down from the very portals of heaven and took upon him the form of a man and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. And this is our Savior, this is our shepherd, and when I think of my shepherd, I'm reminded of some of his names. I don't know what you call your shepherd, but I call my shepherd Emmanuel. Wow. Anybody call your shepherd Emmanuel? I hope you do. You know, he was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And then the prophecy is continued in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You see, my shepherd was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin, and he lived a sinless, spotless life. Praise the Lord for my shepherd Emmanuel. Someone has asked the question, how would God act if he became a man? How would God act if he became a man? All you need to do is look at Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God with us. The Word became flesh, the Bible tells us in John 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Emmanuel, God, my shepherd, Jesus Christ, His name, Emmanuel. I think about another name, Redeemer. His name is also Redeemer. And we look at 1 Peter 1, verse number 18 and following. It's up on the screen. The Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, and what it's saying there, or your empty or your wasted or useless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without, without spot. Yes, my shepherd paid the price. I'm thankful that my shepherd paid the price for me to free me from the bondage of sin. It's no wonder that David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because if the Lord is your shepherd, what else could you want? You say, well, I could want this, I could want that. Those are material things. If the Lord is truly your shepherd, what could you really want? Because I think it was in, this, uh, in the new class uh, the guardians, I saw a post, they were talking about Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. Seek ye first in the kingdom of God. And all these things, the things that you think you have need of, food, drink, clothing, all those things will be added unto you. When the Lord is your shepherd, we get it all. 
We get His protection. We get His care. He's the one that makes us to lie down in green pastures. He's the one that stills the water long enough for you and I to take a drink. Oh, the imagery there in Psalm 23 is so beautiful. And that all those things are only possible when the Lord is your shepherd. I think about the name Deliverer. My shepherd has also got a name. His name is Deliverer. And because of my sinfulness, because of my disobedience, my destination before Christ, I'll be real honest with you, same destination of everyone before Christ. My destination before Christ was an eternity separated from God in an awful, horrific place called hell. But thank goodness that my shepherd became my deliverer. Out of his great love, that's that song, right? Out of his great love, he picked me up. He set my feet on a sturdy rock. Out of his great love, I've learned the meaning of salvation. Out of his great love. Oh, yes, he is my deliverer. I think of David. You think about David, he faced some troubles, didn't he? And the Lord delivered him time after time after time in the scripture. In fact, the Bible says, David said in Psalm 18, verse 2, he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation in my high tower. Oh, David knew who his deliverer was and he honored the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. I think about Paul, this man who went from Saul to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible tells us about the Lord's deliverance, how it had been realized in Paul's life. In verse number 8 and following, Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we were despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Verse number 10, he says, Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us again. Oh, when I think and I meditate on this name of Jesus, I was telling Jared yesterday, this morning, yesterday I was thinking about Jesus as my deliverer. And I literally walked outside. I was on my way over to a graduation get-together, and I made my way outside, and on the radio was this song by Matt Mayer, and I'm not even sure of the title, but he was talking and singing about the Deliverer. And I started thinking, how amazing is it that Jesus Christ, stay with me for a second, Jesus Christ, my Deliverer, first delivered himself as a sheep, as a lamb led to the slaughter in order to become my deliverer. He delivered himself, willingly, obediently delivered himself so that he could become my deliverer and my shepherd. What an amazing thought. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, the Bible confirms this. And the Bible says, For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, praise the Lord for this last part, he shall rise the third day so that he could become my deliverer. In Romans chapter 4, speaking of Jesus, the Bible says, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Yes, yes, yes. 
my shepherd. He is Emmanuel. He is uh, the redeemer of my life. He is the deliverer of my life. And you know what? He's the savior of my life. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes me. You know, Paul said he was chief of sinners. I don't know about that. I kind of feel like I could give him a run for his money. But God's grace and his mercy was shed upon me. It was shed upon you so that Jesus Christ, the righteous, could become not only our shepherd. Listen, he's got to become your savior before he becomes your shepherd. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the Bible confirms and says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If he's never become your savior, he certainly is not your shepherd. And so that's the getting in point. Please understand that he is our shepherd. I think about uh, 1 John chapter 4. In verse number 10, the Bible declares here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That word propitiation means atonement. He was sent to be the atonement. Or here's another fancy word, expiator. I love that word, expiator. You say, what? People are like, what is that? It means that he basically, when you think about it, he became the propitiation. He put an end to our sinfulness. He loved us so much that he put an end to it all. You remember when he was on the cross? What are the words that he uttered right before he gave up the ghost? It is finished. I have expiated the sin of the world. It is finished. It is over. It is done. I have given my life a ransom. I have become the propitiation, the atonement, or the payment. I have redeemed all the world. But the world must believe. In 1 John chapter 4, also just a few verses after that, the Bible says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I think about 1 John, and I didn't put this in there, but 1 John chapter 2 in verse 1 and following, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, the cosmos, the whole world. His death, his sacrifice was efficacious for all that would place his trust in him. These are just a few of the names of my shepherd. What about your shepherd? What are some names you call your shepherd? Is, are, we, are you following the shepherd of work? Are you following the shepherd of success? Are you following the shepherd of, of whatever it is that you've got into your life? I was, I was talking uh, with somebody about... Uh, just different things and I reminiscing and thinking about back when I used to play sports I thought I was something else you know I thought I was a cat's meow wrestling got a you know a wrestling coach Ward and I was thinking about how you know uh, wrestlers we have a tendency sometimes to get a little cocky and Stephanie's shaking her head because she's married to one <laughs> But we sometimes have a tendency to get cocky, you see, because although wrestling is a team sport, it's very individual. Because there's only one person on the mat. 
And when you're being pinned or when you're being maneuvered on the mat, the only one that's going to be able to help you, you can pray all you want on the mat. You can offer prayers to Jesus, but only your skill, your stamina, your, your, uh, your fitness are the only things that are going to be able to uh, undo the hold that you are in. And I thought I was headed for greatness. I was going to be a pro athlete. But I realized that I was barely on a good day, six feet tall. I also realized that most professional baseball players are about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and they weigh about 100 pounds more than me. They can hit the ball further and harder than me. Uh, I also realized that there were a lot of better wrestlers in the world than me. You know how I figured that out when I got to the state tournament and I didn't win it? You know, that's how you figure those things out. Uh, and then you're not as sought out, sought out an athlete as you thought you were, I realized, huh, I guess I have to stop being the class clown now. I guess I have to start doing homework. I guess I have to actually uh, get a job. I guess I have to do something with my life. It's okay to live in fantasy land for a little while. But you know, I was reminded while I was thinking about this, that when I was a child, I thought as a child, but the Bible says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Some of us need to put away childish things and understand what truly is important in life. My shepherd has some great names. Emmanuel, Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. The Gospel of John, even we go back to Easter, the Gospel of John actually describes my shepherd. Even if you just do a personal walk through the Gospel of John, you can even start in John 1, 1 and following and just understand some of the descriptions of my shepherd. You think about John chapter 4, he's the living water. In John chapter 6, he's the bread of life. In John chapter 8, he's the light of the world. He's the light of life. In John chapter 10, we already read it, he's the door. He's the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, we, we, we reminisce on this and, and hold to this in times when people lose their life. The Bible says in John chapter 11, 25 and 26, he's the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14 says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by him. In John chapter 15, one that we very rarely look at, but I love it, in verse number 1 of John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. I put down here as a little side note, if we're connected to any other vine, if we're connected to something other than Christ, it's going to show up in our lives. It's going to show in the shepherd that we're following. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, I didn't put this in there either, but I was thinking about it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, the Bible says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You may be sitting here this morning and listening, or even listening to the message, and you may have never considered what type of shepherd you actually want in your life. I want to encourage you to follow the shepherd that David followed. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, because the Lord had proven himself over and over and over again in David's life. And he has done the same thing for us. As sheep, we're prone to be afraid of certain things, aren't we? Anybody ever have a past that they fear? You ever, you ever heard somebody say, my past is catching up with me? Nobody? We're all perfect people in this room. 
God bless you. I've heard that. People say, that's just my past coming back to haunt me. That, by the way, that's Satan's message. He's always going to remind you of the past. He's always going to remind you of your failures. He's always going to remind you of the times that you failed and you fell down. But Jesus says, get up. Your redemption draws nigh. Jesus says, let's move towards the future. Man, we fear the past, what it's done in the past and what it could possibly do today or in the future. We fear not only the past, we fear the present. The devil is always seeking whom he may devour, and so he always tries to get us off track. And if he can do one thing, if he can get us to kind of get our focus off of the shepherd and onto the things of the world, he's accomplishing his task. But remember, folks, he's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's been a liar and a deceiver from the very get-go. I think about people who are afraid of the future. It's like, what does the future hold? What can I be sure of? I can be sure that one day I'm headed for heaven. I can't help it. The Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 1 that I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Praise the Lord that one day I am going to be with Jesus. Listen, Ephesians 1, 3 tells us that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. Philippians 1, 6 reminds us that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We can be confident in these truths. Yes, not only as sheep do we have a, are we prone to fear, but we have a prone to wander. As the song lyrics said, selfishness and personal desire sometimes get between us and the shepherd that we really need to follow. I want to encourage you to remember the beautiful things about our shepherd. And we'll not go though there, but in uh, Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep. You remember the story, many of you. And in this passage, he, he tells the story that when the sheep was lost, that the shepherd immediately goes after the lost sheep. And when he finds the little sheep, the Bible says that he takes this little sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he carries it. You know, he does the same for you and I. When we seemingly lose our way, when we seemingly put our focus on things that we shouldn't have them on, he'll pick us up and he'll carry us. He will protect us. Listen, the Bible tells us that when this, this shepherd found his lost sheep, that he rejoiced in the fact that he had found the sheep. But not only did he rejoice, he goes, and he goes back to his family. He goes back to his friends. He goes back to the neighborhood, and he encourages them. He says, rejoice with me. He says, for my sheep that was lost is now found. And then in verse 7 of Luke chapter 15, I find something that's really encouraging. The Bible says that the angels rejoice. They rejoice in heaven. Not only did, did the shepherd rejoice, not only did the family and the friends and the neighbors rejoice in verse 6, but in verse 7, the Bible says that there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents. And so simply I ask you and I close, who's your shepherd today? Who is it that you're following? If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you, listen to His voice. He cries out, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, burden and heavy uh, laden, and I will give you rest. He's crying out for us to come to Him today. But you must, you must come to Him if you want Him to be your Savior and your shepherd. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul for His name's sake. Oh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. You may be able to quote the psalm. And you may be able to say, The Lord is my shepherd. But I put down here this. If you say the Lord is your shepherd, why not live for Him? Why not follow Him? Why not put more focus on Him than we put on the world? Why not put more of our efforts behind listening to the voice of the shepherd rather than listening to the voice of this world? And then I put a plea out to you. How sad it would be to be able to know Psalm 23. How sad it would be to be able to quote Psalm 23, but never actually know the shepherd of Psalm 23.